That was great. It was beautiful. I'm always so much louder than you, but... Uh, well, it's a little closer to me. I know. That's on purpose. Wow. You know what you're doing. <laughs> I'm Liza Poor. I'm Mike Pulasic. Every week, we randomly pick two movies from our stupidly large DVD collection, watch them, and discuss. When it's all over, we can only keep one. Two discs enter. One disc leaves. This is... DVD Deathmatch! Hello! Hello! Hi! Hi! How's it going? Great. Great. You feeling good? Feeling great. You ready for another death match? <laughs> I'm so ready for another death match. Let's get this thing going, baby. <laughs> How are you doing? Energy's up. Energy's up. Energy's up. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying it like that. I don't know why you're saying it like that either. Um, no, I feel good. I'm good. Okay. Nice, relaxing day. Yeah. Chill. Trying to think of what I've been watching lately. Uh, I've been watching a lot of Jackass lately. Yeah, you have. And every time I come in the room, someone's puking. Yeah, when you have, what's it called? Emetophobia. Emetophobia. Yeah. So I don't know how you saw those movies in the theater. I don't know either. I think, well, I enjoy the other parts of them. I mean, mostly. Yeah. Um, I think I closed my eyes a lot. Yeah. We must have talked about this when we covered Jackass number two. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know how you saw those in the theater. I don't know yeah. how you managed that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they are I, like I, I've I watched all of them in the past week except for <laughs> Jackass two because we just watched we it. Just watched it, yeah. Including Jackass two point five and three point five, which are like the leftovers movies. Yeah, which are really good if you're a fan because. They those are such windows like they they are the stuff that wasn't good enough to be in the movie for whatever reason whether it was like the physics didn't work or it's like sad hurt instead of funny hurt <laughs> and or the bit just doesn't work you know yeah. what I mean like and um so if you're interested in the craft of it those movies are are indispensable as well yeah and it's them talking about them too so you get a little bit of insight into what's happening in their brain right exactly but (laughs) i I watched so and that also it just does to watch that much jackass in a row just like does something to your brain like i'm like looking around (laughs) now and like being like i wonder if i could jump off that you know what i mean no i could not do any of this it's like when you watch a lot of six feet under and then every time you do something weird you're like oh is this how i die yeah or something not weird yeah every time you get in the shower or (laughs) sit on the toilet or whatever um yeah anyway i i I, uh, one point that i have been thinking about a lot that i want to make about jackass before we move on okay let's hear it is that like in a world, and I may have said this on the other. In a world. Shut up. <laughs> Come on. Um, I may have said this on the other one. Mm-hmm. But like, uh, in a world. Now I'm so <laughs> self-conscious about that. In a world where so many movies are hyper-violent, but also PG or PG-13 mm-hmm. and like bloodless. Mm-hmm. It's. I feel like it's a really important thing that there's this these movies that are just like about like pain and blood and shit and piss and cum and stuff. <laughs> and, sorry, <laughs> explicit warning. Yeah. Um, in a real way, even though they are goofy and dumb and whatever, but you know, 
someone getting hit in the face with a boxing glove on a stick or whatever the <laughs> hell it is, like has consequences. Whereas, uh, Black Widow. I like the Black Widow movie a lot, but Black Widow falling off a building and hitting, hitting you know, uh, ten stories and just like she's oh, fine. She, she hit a pole on the way down, so I guess that broke her fall. No, she like falls and then she gets up, gets up and goes like ah and like clutches her ribs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you were like, it's like, it's like you fell ten stories. Um, I think, your organs would explode right. inside your body. Anyway, my point is made. We're not talking about jackass. I'm sorry. We're not. Do we have any topics at the top? Yes. Yes, we do. Um, so last week we covered <laughs> Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. We did. And we hung on to that bad boy. Mm-hmm. And we got a lot of response. We a lot, drew of, a lot, lot of interaction. A lot of people getting in touch. <laughs> Lots of people getting in touch. Specifically to, about. Right. To say. Yeah. You, you go for it. So. We talked about the part where uh, Indy gets the grail. He drinks from it to confirm it is the real grail. He brings the grail back to his father. His father drinks from it, pours it on his wound. So in theory, Indiana Jones and his father should be immortal. (laughs) They really should. Um, And people keep trying to come at our necks talking about how... Oh, the knight said that you can't cross the seal. And I'm like, I'm fully aware. I watched the film. Right. He says, so he said, okay, so you guys, this is a text we got. And whatever. You guys, the knight tells Indy that the power of the grail doesn't exceed the seal. That's why Indy and his father don't live forever. This is another text we got. So when the knight says the great seal is the boundary and the price for immortality, I always took that to mean, even though they both drank from the grail, they can't be immortal if they cross the great seal. Another text we got. Also, eternal life from the grail only lasts if you don't pass the great seal on the floor. That's not what he says. It's not what he says. You are interpreting. At least, at least Brannon was that middle one. And he said, I interpreted that as at least that. Look, I want to also say real quick. Thank you for getting in touch. (laughs) I think it was those others are from Luke and Greg, and we appreciate you. We love you. We value you. We're not actually mad. Okay, go ahead. But that's not what he says. He says, okay, uh, Indiana Jones, Henry Jones Jr. says, he looks at the cup, and he goes, that's the cup of a carpenter. The Grail Knight says, you have chosen wisely, but beware, the Grail cannot pass beyond the Great Seal. That is the boundary and the price of immortality. He says the grail cannot pass beyond the great seal. Right. He specifically says the grail. Right. Now, price of immortality, I'll give you. Right. Like, you know, it does kind of allude to there's a cost to immortality. You can only live forever. In the temple? In the temple. I just, I can't, that doesn't, that's stupid. Why would anyone quest the grail then? Also, I need to point out that presumably Mr. Knight drank a little bit of that delicious, definitely hasn't been sitting for hundreds of years, grail water out of there so that he could protect the grail because he went there hundreds of years ago, hundreds of years ago. And we show up and he's like, oh, I'm so old. Right. So the immortality ages you to 98 and then you live forever? Right. Like what? This is some shitty immortality. I'm going to say that. <laughs> I'm going to say Right. It. 
Right. Not worth it. <laughs> and exactly. And I think that the explicit the explicit words are the grail cannot pass beyond the great seal. Right. Not you it just doesn't make any sense. Right. Like it's not it's not what he says. It's not whatever. It's not so what he says. Yeah. We feel strongly DVD Deathmatch is coming down hard on uh the stance that Indiana Jones lives forever and that also his father lives forever. Now in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, his father's dead and there's a picture of him on the desk. <laughs> but that movie we all know doesn't really count. It's not canon. It's not canon. It's fanfic. Yeah. By the people who uh, <laughs> who made the movies. Made the, all the movies. <laughs> George Lucas and Steven Spielberg. It's their fanfic. Um, it's uh, slash fic, right? They. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a different thing. I okay, think. great, cool, 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 cool. <laughs> great. Um, so that's our that's our hot take. So we just wanted to address that. We hear you. We see you. We think you are wrong. <laughs> Controversy. <laughs> this is going to be on TMZ tomorrow in between <laughs> headlines about Matt Damon and DaBaby. It's oh, going to be no. <laughs> Mike and Liza double down on <laughs> their Indiana Jones take. Um, you know what we did this week? Lay it on me. We watched two movies. Wow. I know. I know. Guys, this week we watched Atlantis, The Lost Empire from 2001 and Willow from 1988. That's what we watched. That's what we watched. There you go. Uh, First up is Atlantis, The Lost Empire from 2001, directed by Gary Truesdale and Kirk Wise. Our IMDb summary is a young linguist named Milo Thatch joins an intrepid group of explorers to find the mysterious lost continent of Atlantis. Is it a continent? Isn't it a city? Oh, yeah. I can think in the legend it's a continent, right? But like is in this, it? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why I'm still talking. I don't, <laughs> which is just the tagline of this podcast, I guess. This doesn't matter. <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking. But um, I don't know. Um, it is definitely just like a city in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, so Atlantis, it's a Disney film. It is a Disney movie. It and is a, I, I, oh. that, I was not correcting you when I said movie and you said film. I was not. That was not like a correction. <laughs> I want to be clear. I didn't uh, take it that way, so <laughs> nice to see where your brain is at. Great. Well, you were like, it's a Disney film, and I was like, it is a Disney movie. <laughs> I do not think there's a difference between those terms, and Great. I apologize. Oh, God. <laughs> um, so in this Disney film... Uh, <laughs> no, uh, so what's kind of interesting about Atlantis is that it comes on the, it's one of those tail end golden age of Disney movies, right? right. We've got golden age of Disney, which is Aladdin, Beauty and the Beast, Lion King, uh, Little Pocahontas, Mermaid. Little Mermaid. Is Pocahontas in there? I mean, technically, well, but like- it feels like Pocahontas is where it started to... <laughs> Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King is mm-hmm. the quadrilogy, I guess, of our childhood and also seemingly. But I think like yeah. widely renowned as Golden Age of Disney. Exactly. Yeah. And then you've got like Pocahontas. Hunchback. Hunchback. Um, and then, I don't know, Atlantis. I think Atlantis. Yeah. yeah. So you've got this kind of weird petering off where they were still good, but they weren't um, as like, you know, with those four, it was just like every summer hit after hit after hit after hit. Um, And I really like the Pocahontas. Yeah, I love, I think Pocahontas is great. And cards on the table, Atlantis. I really like Atlantis. Right. Um, What is interesting about Atlantis, I think that, that 
immediately jumps out at me is it's not a musical. Right. So I read a lot about this movie uh-huh. and it was like they were it was like a real um shit, what's the word? Intentional pivot, I guess you mm. would say, towards this isn't going to be a musical. This is going to be a, an adventure movie. Indiana Jones style, yeah. Um, Jules Verne style, H.G. Wells style. Like we're going to an adventure movie. Maybe that was a cynical, like we got to get twelve-year-old boys on board with Disney movies again or whatever it was. I don't Maybe, know. Yeah. But it was um, a very intentional pivot, and I think they were thinking. This is what Disney's going to be now. Like we maybe the studio wasn't as happy with Hunchback in some way because Hunchback's a very weird movie. It is very strange. But like some of the best music. Oh, Hercules is in there. Hercules, yes. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Hercules. (laughs) Thank you. I mean, that's the. I mean, just very quickly. That's the thing about the Pocahontas Hercules Hunchback. Right. Is that. Not as as widely loved, but some of the most amazing music. Yeah, and all adventurous in interesting yeah. ways, I yeah. would say. Anyway. Um, but so they go to make this other movie, and I think they were thinking this was going to be a huge hit and was going to set the tone for the next wave of Disney classics, that they mm-hmm. were going to be these adventure movies. Yeah. Um, and it didn't. I mean, I think the connection between our two movies today is that they're big, like, fantasy adventure movies that didn't do what the studios wanted them to Thought do that, at yeah, all. Yeah, This movie came out against, in the summer of 2001, against Shrek mm-hmm. and against Lara Croft Tomb Raider. And it, <laughs> and both of those movies, like, um, uh, did better than it yeah. at the box office, I guess. Yeah. And it's just a very interesting, like, hinge point also because... Um, they were also thinking this is the way we're going to do animation from now on. This kind of 2D style mixed with a lot of like cool digital effects. That was definitely something I wrote down was the animation of Atlantis is so cool. Yeah, it really is. It's, it's this, it's this beautiful blend, like you said, of the, of the kind of classic animation style with all of the new stuff that's coming out. Right. But it's not, completely flipped over right. into just fully digital. Right. Even though I know that technically none of them are fully digital. They all start from a place of sure. hand-drawn, what have you. But this is this beautiful blending before they had all the capabilities that they have now. Um, right. Where it was just using it to enhance what was already happening. And I love that. Right, exactly. And I think that this was, like I said, like this hinge point that – they were thinking, this is how we're going to do these from now on, mm-hmm. and we're going to mix. We're not we're not going to abandon the classic Disney style, but we're going to invent a new way forward. Yeah. And then this movie kind of tanked a little bit for them, and they were like, oh, never mind. we got to figure this out. And then I think they went away for a while, and maybe Treasure Planet was after this. Yeah, I don't know I where Treasure Planet comes saw. in, but the two of them, I've never seen it either, but yeah. that's like the thing. Are you an Atlantis person or are you a Treasure Planet person? And <laughs> Who is asking you this? Treasure in what Planet. situation? TikTok, man. <laughs> <laughs> like street gangs? <laughs> is it like West Side Story? Um, but then, uh, and then they went away for a while 
not went away. Disney never went away, but then came back with like Tangled, Frozen. Like that's the yeah. new wave, and it's not. It's there's no hand drawn element at all. Right. So it's just a. This is such an interesting movie in that way, mm-hmm. and I I think that if this had beat Shrek at the box office, uh, you know, who knows how the world would be different today. Uh, we'd all be living on the moon. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, another uh, another thing, it's funny that you said that it, it's an adventure movie because mm-hmm. that kind of hadn't occurred to me. It fully is. Yeah. Um, what I what I came up with was it's a it's a grown up story, which sounds really weird, but yep. it is like so you've got these like the Beauty and the Beast and Little Mermaid. It's about children, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and princesses and and falling in love and what have you. And this is like a a grown man, yeah, is unhappy with his job, <laughs> right? <laughs> because he wants to go find Atlantis, right? And someone. He finally finds someone to fund it. Yeah, he finds a, a, a private entrepreneur. And he goes. Or Elon Musk. Right. And the 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 team, he's, he's still feeling left out because the team is full of these, like, not ruffians per se, but they're all very, like, masters of their craft. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of, like, doofy. He is a master of his craft, but yeah. his craft is linguistics. So, right. Um, and, and then he finally makes friends, and then they betray him. And it's just, like, this very, like... Yeah. Weirdly grown up story. Right. It's a real, <laughs> it's got real twists and turns to it. And I think that, um, so that, I mean, that is the plot. We should, so Michael J. Fox plays Milo. Yeah. And he, uh, works at, I don't know, the Smithsonian or something like that in DC. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, wants to, uh, honor his grandfather who was this adventurer and then also find Atlantis, which, uh, you know, he's been studying all these languages and stuff. And, uh, I'm realizing as I'm saying this, I'm just going to repeat exactly what you just said. So never mind. <laughs> That's the plot of Atlantis. They go on this adventure, but it's very Jules Verne. So many uh, Indiana Jones beats. You've got the diary. Yeah. You've got... Um, the very rich person funding it. Right. So it's very Indiana Jones in that way. And it's like... Mm-hmm. Um, You've also, but you've also got this crew yeah. to do this, yeah. And that element of it is so well done. Mm-hmm. Every, all those tertiary characters are like stars in yeah. their own right. Of the way they're drawn, the way they're the way they're voice acted. Like we've got a diverse cast, diverse cast, <laughs> like super diverse. Yeah. And also, you know, it's all kind of. Um, Misfits or people you wouldn't necessarily think of as being in that profession. The mechanic is like a 16-year-old Latina girl. Right. And her whole thing is like, oh, yeah, my dad always said that he would have like a, someone to work in the shop for, for with him and a heavyweight champion. Right. Instead, he got me and my sister. Um, right. And she's and, the champion and yeah. I'm the person who works in the shop. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, the doctor is this very big, black, very sweet man. I think his nickname is Sweet. His na- yeah, his name, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, who's very funny and goofy. He's so and I, funny. It's so great. That character is so funny. Yeah. Um, and all the characters are so funny. Like Moliere, who's the mole, who's like the digger. The digger, the digging um, expert. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. Is like, that is such a, it's a, I mean, it's all so broad. It is a children's movie, mm-hmm. but it is like, really legitimately funny. Like there are laughs in it and it's, and also, so it doesn't, 
look like any other Disney movie. I mean, you've got everyone has like the big eyes and is kind of especially in the beginning. It looks a lot like a all the you know it looks like the beginning of One Hundred One Dalmatians or something. Yeah. you know that kind of thing. But as it goes along, especially when they're like underground and all this stuff, the everything looks different because uh, a it's mixed with digital effects, but also just the style is different. And I didn't realize until I read about it that. Um, working on the production design is Mike McNola mm-hmm. who created Hellboy and drew Hel- oh. like drew all those comic books and has this has such a distinct like beautifully murky weird style to his uh comic book art that I like love I'm like obsessed with yeah and uh that I mean this isn't doesn't go all the way towards that but it like that you know just the design of the characters especially um Helga, mm-hmm. who is the like, uh, I guess f- she's kind of introduced as a femme fatale, but then right. that doesn't really pay off in any way. Yeah, she's like she's, the second in command. Yeah, um, but yeah, she's fully introduced as like, uh, like I wrote <laughs> my note says Helga down the chimney, sexy thing is real weird. She yeah. says there's some line about her being Santa. Yeah, or I don't know. It's ho 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 and yeah, all that stuff. it's very um, and she, her voice. It's not the same voice actor as Meg, but she sounds like Meg yeah. from Hercules. It's a very Kathleen Turner esque yeah. voice. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she doesn't look like any other Disney character. She looks like a character from like Ion Flux or something yeah. like that. Um, and that's just so cool. Anyway, the look of it is very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah. And I mean, we, we also watched this with our eight year old Yep, and she was into it the whole time. Pretty into it. Really yeah. enjoyed it. Thought sweet was so funny Yeah, and like talked about him for the next day and, and everything. Also, it was funny. There was, uh, there's a scene cause they get in this big submarine. It's very, I keep saying Jules Verne, but that's exactly what it's doing mm-hmm. is like 20,000 leagues under the sea until it gets to journey to the center of the earth. <laughs> um, and there's a part where they're under the sea and they're, and in their big like submarine thing. Mm-hmm. And, there's a jump scare essentially. Yeah. And to see it, that jump scare work on her. Yeah. She like l- jumped. Yeah, and it she was, was like, ah! Yeah. And, <laughs> and it was just a cool moment where, yeah. where that uh, I don't know that I've seen a jump scare work on her in that way before. Yeah. Uh, so that was cool. Yeah. I kind of feel like animation should have just stopped here. Yeah. Stylistically. Yeah. <laughs> I, there's obviously there's a lot of fully digitally animated movies that I enjoy and like, but, right. um, you know, there's something, uh, about the hand drawn mixed with the digital that is so satisfying. And obviously a movie like, um, into the spider verse, let's say mm-hmm. is, is all digital and is whatever, but it, it has that same like DNA in it of, I don't know what it is, but it doesn't feel like, Shrek or something, you know what I mean? Yeah, well, and it's like maybe it because a, that's you feels, know yeah. based on a comic book, so the the source material is going to be different, right? Yeah, but I mean I, that movie specifically has like a handmade, even though it's all digital. Like there's something they they integrate that comic book style that you're talking about yeah. so well. Exactly, like that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I just like there's something about this era where they were trying to figure it out still mm-hmm. that is like so satisfying to watch. I don't know what it is. Yeah. It's very, very cool. Yeah. Um, I also, like, so we were talking about the diversity of this Motley crew. Yeah. Um, and 
it's fun and interesting that the Atlanteans uh, have darker skin. Uh-huh. Right? And I think that that... I'm not giving Disney any credit for that yeah. <laughs> because no. I think that that's in the lore. I don't know too much about Atlantis, but I but I believe it was, you know, off the, the Canary Islands or something mm-hmm. and whatever. Um, and that it is fairly widely agreed upon that they were people of color mm-hmm. with, you know, they they Disney is done with white hair and the blue markings. Right. And they look very cool. And um, but it's just an interesting thing to watch because I think I watch something like that and I'm just like that's very cool and I agree (laughs) but and I agree but um scientifically they would have over the generations probably lost the uh melanin because they're living in their skin because they're under the water right um and so there's less sunlight happening so so their skin would have lightened up to in order to i think maybe i'm talking out of my ass i don't think so cut this whole section don't cut it out because on that i think them making them people of color is like a very intentional decision because this the story has elements of the kind of um you know, noble savage tropes of like, you know, recently like Avatar or John Carter or a Dances with Wolves or all that kind of fiction. Pocahontas. Pocahontas, <laughs> where like the the Milo, the white guy, comes to this society and he a he like knows their society better than they do. Mm-hmm. He can read their language when they can't. They can't read the language. Yeah. Um, and B, they just like. Oh, the way these people, like any movie, any movie (laughs) that ends with, uh, I'm thinking of like Stargate also ends this way. Mm -hmm. Any movie that ends with the white guy deciding to stay (laughs) is problematic (laughs) because it's definitely rooted in, the whole thing is rooted in like colonialism. Yeah, You know, like we're going to go there to these weird people Mm -hmm. and we're going to, uh, learn so much from their interesting ways and yeah. their exotic foods and their, though you know, all this stuff. Um, and then we're going to stay there and, you know, also make them more like us and, and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like all rooted in, you know, Rudyard Kipling and all, all that stuff. So that's happening in this movie yeah, for, sure. for sure. It's definitely Dances with Wolves and Avatar and, and all that stuff is mm-hmm. happening here too. Um, so, that you know, that's not great. Not great. Not great. Um, uh, but it, you know, they, it's, it, it, you know, it could be. Um, I guess it's done better than some other movies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because there's never any. Uh, there's. I don't know. Never mind. Well, because it's not it's not blatantly about them coming in and, and teaching the Atlanteans something. It's about them coming in and stealing their uh, power source. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah. But it's not about that's not what the mission is. And there is something obviously very purposefully endearing and lovable about Milo being this doofy guy with big old glasses. Yeah. Um, and being fascinated by it by the, their culture and, and wanting to see and learn more. Um, so they've at least done a good job covering their tracks in that aspect. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. The thing you just brought up about like 
it's not the traditional story of, oh, I come to your culture and I learn from you. It's like, I come to your, oh, I guess this is what all these movies are. Never mind. Is like, <laughs> I come to your culture and like, oh, but the people I'm with want to take all your resources, but I'm, I'm built different. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so never mind. I guess that is what they all are. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. No. And it's, you know, it, again, your fave is problematic. It's Disney. It's not going to be amazing, but it I'm is. I'm not trying. To, yeah, exactly. It is like uh, I I like this movie. I like it a lot. I think it's I yeah, think I it's like fun. It it's a real. It is a really fun adventure. Yeah. Um, film. It's uh, it looks really great. There's no music, but that's okay. Yeah, uh, genuinely <laughs> thrilling. Like yeah, that battle scene in the end. Yeah, where they're you know where they're fighting with the Atlanteans and stuff and 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 fighting off. Uh, the captain who's like the ultimately the villain played by James Garner. Like, yeah. That is so well done and really good and, yeah. and beautiful. So many, like just the way they wove in and we'll talk about this with the next movie too. The way they wove in a lot of the effects and stuff yeah. is like incredible. Um, uh, we should talk about before, um, we move on mm-hmm. that the credits come up at the end and one of the people in the story by credit is Joss Whedon. Yes. And I read about that. Uh-huh. Did you read about it? No, I didn't. Cause you said you had, so yeah. I was going to let, I was going to let you tell me. Oh, I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I read about that. And so the credits come up and it's one of the story by credits is Joss Whedon. And according to Kirk Wise and Gary Truesdale, the directors, mm-hmm. they had, ne- they never interacted with Joss Whedon. They never, he never had any input on anything involved in the movie. And they didn't realize he was even credited until they saw the movie in the theater. And the reason is that a couple of years before they made, um, Atlantis, the lost empire, Disney had some other Atlantis movie, like a different Atlantis movie uh-huh. that Joss Whedon worked on the treatment for or something like that. And they, Decide, Disney, the lawyers at Disney essentially decided, like, oh, it's easier to just give him story credit on this rather than deal with some lawsuit later where he's like, I came up with the idea for an Atlantis movie. This is according to the directors of this movie that they were like, they got to, and this also, by the way, is like from an interview that was pre Josh Whedon cancellation. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's not like they're, I don't think they're lying. Uh, but it's just an interesting thing. It's weird too, because like Atlantis is, is intellectual property. Like it's not, you didn't come up with Atlantis. Right. Exactly. It's like Hercules. Right. Like it'd be very easy to argue that he didn't, uh, come up with that idea. Right. But I think they, it's just some lawyer at Disney was like easier just to credit. Yeah, exactly. So that's an interesting thing about that. Um, anyway, yeah. Great. Atlantis the Lost Empire, baby. Um, is it available? Of course it is. It's a Disney movie, so it's on Disney Plus. Disney Plus. Um, great. Love that. Hey. Uh Yeah. What's the connection? Hey, what's the connection? I'm glad you asked. Mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox is in Atlantis the Lost Empire. He's also in Mars Attacks. Okay. With everybody ever. Um, including Natalie Portman, who's in Heat with Val Kilmer. Okay, we got there. We got there. <laughs> Was that a long one? No, it's just funny. Yeah. Um, um, there's, I'm sure there's many other connections. Like there must be, right? Yeah. But that's, there's no one who's in both. I checked. Weird. 
All right. Our next movie is Willow from 1988, directed by Ron Howard. I think this might be our first Ron Howard movie. Yeah. Uh, the IMDb summary is, A young farmer is chosen to undertake a perilous journey in order to protect a special baby from an evil queen. It's a special baby. Yeah, a young farmer. <laughs> no, this is a fantasy movie. There's, like, magic and dragons and wizards. <laughs> there sure is. A young farmer. Although, young farmer, we as we were watching, I looked it up, and Warwick Davis, who plays Willow was 17 when they shot this, which is insane. That is insane. I always thought, I was assumed he was like 35 or right. something. Um, not that he looks old, but I just like, he, I mean, he does a great job as Willow. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's a guy who's like lived a farm life. Right. He's like done things on the and farm. And it just, it just like suddenly occurred to me that he's like still working yeah. and still doing things. And I was like, wait a minute, how old is this dude? Right. <laughs> no, he was in, he's in, I mean, he's in everything well, and then you were saying but, he's in uh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, he's in which Return is where of the he Je- met George, George Lucas, Lucas, I yeah. think, and wanted to do this film with him. Blah, blah blah. Which is like before Willow, right? So he must have been like twelve in that <laughs> yeah. or something. Um, but and he was in Hitchhiker's Guide, yeah. which we uh, covered on here. And he's, I think, I'm sure he's in like Rise of Skywalker, and mm-hmm. I'm sure, and I know he's in all the Harry Potter movies and all that stuff. Warwick Davis, man, yeah, um, what a guy. So Willow. Willow. So we own the Blu-ray of this because mm-hmm. I bought it like whenever, like five years ago or whenever the Blu-ray came out because mm-hmm. I had not seen it since I was a kid. But when I was a kid, I saw this all the time. Like I just watched it and watched it and rewatched it because I loved it so much. Yeah. I remember seeing it in the theater, which is crazy because I would have been five years old when yeah. it came out. So that's insane to me. Yeah. Um, to take a five year old to this movie, <laughs> even though, but it's not that it's not that bad. I know it's not, but it is in this category of your dark crystal, your labyrinth, your weird never ending story. Return yeah, to Oz. Your weird fantasy movies that us eighties kids, yeah, children who were born in the eighties, right, saw, and it was like. What? Right. Why? Exactly. <laughs> Why were our parents showing us these things? Right. But it's great. I it mean, wasn't those... my parents. It was my siblings. But right. you get but it. But they're great movies. And, and it's like, uh, it feels like the closest thing we have now, it feels like, is Coraline. Yeah. Which Ella loves and has seen a million times and is also creeped out by. Yeah. And like has weird feelings towards. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah. So, okay. Oh, no, I was just going to say, I, I definitely watched this movie as a kid enough times for it to be in my permanent for things about it to be in my permanent memory bank, but I hadn't seen it in, I don't know, maybe, maybe at some point in college I watched it. Yeah. Um, so this was very weird going into it. Cause I was like, you said something. Cause again, we watched this with Ella, our eight year old. Yeah. And we were kind of like, is this okay to show her? She was fine. It was fine. Yeah. But, um, you like it started and you like turned to me like oh yeah the dogs and I was like I have no idea what you're talking about those dogs like I man. had nothing because it starts with so there's a, a a prophecy there's a queen evil queen Bavamorda played yes. by Jean Smart who no not Jean Smart. I was like Jesus I was Christ. like that was Jean Smart Jean Marsh sorry <laughs> Jean Smart yeah she went from this to hacks it's the Jean Smartessance from Willow to ha- anyway. Played by Jean Marsh, who is also uh, an evil queen. I think she's an evil queen. I know she plays like the the uh, doctor headmistress person 
in Return to Oz. Oh. She's an 80s uh, icon, Jean Marsh. 80s evil icon. Exactly. Love I think she was also, if I, I'm not sure, I have not fact-checked this, but I feel like she was also in Upstairs, Upstairs Downstairs, which is a BBC <laughs> show that my parents watched all the time. Yeah. That I, that I, this just, you just heard it happen in my brain. Anyway, um, <laughs> Bav Morda is the evil queen of this land that has a name that I forget, and, uh, she there's a prophecy that this uh, this girl will be born with a uh, birthmark, Mar- yeah. and that is the girl who will cause her downfall down the line. And so she sweeps the land looking for these babies, finds the baby, but a nursemaid steals the baby away before they can kill it. Yeah, and uh, well, sweeps the land for the babies. She imprisons all of the pregnant women. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Makes them give birth in jail. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And uh, then the nursemaid is hunted down by these dogs, uh, and before she's killed, before she's eaten by dogs, which is the first five minutes of the movie, <laughs> she um, places the baby in a like basket, uh, you know, rushes and yeah, very and Moses, very Moses, and pushes her down the river. The baby, Alora Dannon, washes up at the farm um, community of the Nelwins. Nelwins, yeah, right. Which are all played by little people, mm-hmm. and uh, Willow, who's who, finds the baby and doesn't want it, but uh, his wife and kids take a shine to it, brings the baby home. Um, then the sorry, the dogs no. show up. Yeah, and then uh, they, you know, everyone's like, "What's going on? Why did these people attack our village?" And he's like. I got this baby. The Daikini baby. Daikini yeah. are the big people. Daikini. Um, and so then it's a quest to... The, we have to leave the village with a, a fellowship, if you will, mm-hmm. and uh, take this baby and find a Daikini to take the baby. They go off Willow and his compatriots. They go off. Go off, <laughs> um, go off King. <laughs> uh, they go off and they... Uh, on their journey to find a daikini to take the baby and on that journey they get swept up into the war uh, against Bev Morda they meet up with Mad Mardigan Mad who Mardigan, is Val by, Kilmer yep, yep. and they uh, who is a daikini but he's like a warrior and yeah but he's also an outcast of, a, of the warriors kind of stuff. a cad kind of a cad kind of a crazy guy yeah uh, anyway so and they have all sorts of they also meet up with the the brownies who are uh, tiny tiny like itty bitty, uh, yeah, like, like the borrowers, like the borrowers, exactly. And yeah. they're played by Kevin Pollock and uh, another comedic actor whose name is not coming to me, yeah. Um, but they're crazy anyway. So it's just a big fantasy quest at that point, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's um, all about say, you know, protecting this baby from the evil Queen Bev Morda and all yeah. that stuff. So, and it's oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say some fun facts about what you, you've just said, the dogs. Look horrifying. They have yes. kind of like rat tails and very like snarly, crazy faces. Yeah. And they're actually Rottweilers in costume, <laughs> which is, I think, very, very cool. That's what I assumed um, was that it was like a, a thing put over a dog. Yeah. And it is. And, and it's, it's, I think it looks that, great. It, it looks incredible. With um, red eyes. Yeah. And then the other uh, fun fact is that Val Kilmer plays Med Mardigan um, and. Uh, John Cusack was up for that role and lost it to Val Kilmer and apparently says that it's his his greatest, like, disappointment. Wow. Yeah. 
Oh, John Cusack would have been good, too. He would have been good. It would have been a different thing, It would have been a very different thing. Val Kilmer is great. Yes. And Val Kilmer I, is so great in this. Yeah. And is like, I mean, um, he's, yeah, he's incredible in this. It's it's a different, it's an interesting thing. Right. It's also interesting. So this movie, I mean, that, you know, um, just to get into it, like, so I have, I'm a cards on the table, like such nostalgia factor for this movie. Mm-hmm. It's much like the Indiana Jones movies. It's just yeah, printed on my brain, nostalgia points or whatever, like, um, more, almost more than any other of these like fantasy movies from the eighties. This one is just, it was like really the movie, this and dark crystal, I think. Yeah. I was going to say dark were, crystal labyrinth were mine. Right. For sure. Yeah. We're just like in my brain as all the time. And and this one I thought was just like the coolest movie I'd ever seen. And it is so funny to realize that this was kind of a flop. Yeah. Like didn't much like Atlantis, they Lucasfilm um who made I mean apparently George Lucas wanted to make Lord of the Rings and couldn't get the rights or something. Right. Like he had a plan for this to be a crazy trilogy quadrilogy right. like insane mega thing. Right, exactly. And he wanted, he literally was like, okay, well, I'll make my own Lord of the Rings then. And this is what came out of it. Yeah. And um, to find out that this like, you know, he was, he wanted this to be the next Star Wars. Yeah. And to find, and to me it was, you know what I mean? Like to Mm -hmm. me, this was Star Wars when I was a kid. It was Mm -hmm. like, oh, Star Wars and Willow, same thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? In my Uh brain, like same level of movie. Uh And to find out that like people don't really like this movie that much and it's not that it's not well regarded and it certainly didn't do well at the time is just very funny because I'm like, yeah, but this is like probably better than Star Wars. right? (laughs) I mean, watching it as a, as an adult is an interesting thing. It fully has the nostalgia there for me. I, I don't know if it's, good <laughs> yeah i guess that's true um but and it and it's also but it, you know there were there were lines and and scenes that are like you said imprinted on me but it's also like i was watching it and i had the thought and i wrote it down of like this is a real nerd shit yes right here. <laughs> it's like deep deep nerd yeah you know what i mean lord of the rings is nerd this is nerdier than lord of the rings right because it's like Made up, like, Lord of the Rings is obviously made up shit, but it's made up a while ago, and this is, like, made up in the 80s. Yeah, this literally feels like George Lucas sat down to play D&D with his buddies yes. and had an incredible game and was like, you know what? This would make a great movie, you guys. The and line, wrote a movie based on like, a D&D game. Totally. There's, like, lines that, f- so much of it works on me, and maybe mm-hmm. that's just nostalgia, but there are lines that feel like... Brother, and it's uh, I can't remember the exact line, but General Kale, who's the guy with the big skull mask, yeah, comes to Queen Bavmorda. Okay, we're already off to a bad start, <laughs> but comes to Queen Bavmorda and is like, like we've defeated the forces at Galadorn, and I was like, okay, oh you just made up Galadorn. I I could make that up. Come on, like you know what I mean? It was like that is very like. Like if so, in a movie, if someone was writing a fake, terrible fantasy novel, it would yeah. be like the quest of Galador. Yeah. You know? Well, a lot of it felt like, um, like uh, a porn, like a nerd porn. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Okay, I didn't expect like that. Like the, the fodder in between, like a bad nerd porn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, it wasn't 
necessarily sexy in any way. I mean, there's some like romance with well Val Kilmer Val and Joanne Whaley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, later, Joanne Whaley Kilmer. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, a little sexy. Your classic enemies to lovers story. Right. There's a great line that Mad Mardikin has where he says, uh, after he he was the the little. What are the the borrower guys, the brownies, knock him in the face with uh, dust of broken hearts, which yeah. makes you fall love in love potion, with the next person you see. And he falls in love with her, even though they're battling and blah, 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 whatever. And then he kind of wakes up from the trance and he and he says, I don't love her. She kicked me in the face. Yeah. And I, uh, that's great. That that's amazing. So many funny lines. <laughs> yeah. So much good stuff. Yeah. Anyway, I, like. Uh, uh, the brown Kevin Pollock is so funny as the, so funny. they're both so great. The brownies, um, uh, Burgle Cut getting Burgle Cut. That's bur- a name of a character. Yeah, Burgle Cut. But then it's like, okay, Samwise Gamgee is any better? Like, I mean, Sam. They call him Sam for most of the movie. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's you know it's it's it's. It's like, you know, either you go with it or you don't. You know what I mean? It's like a musical. It's a lot like a musical where it's like yeah, either someone's going to say, we've defeated the forces of Galador, and you're going to be like, okay. <laughs> or they're going to start singing, and you're going to be like, okay. Or you're not. And that's that's what Willow is. But, but in the in the musical comparison, Willow feels like Brigadoon. Sure. Where it's like the the end, the very end of the spectrum of suspension of disbelief. Yeah, I guess so. But the the um, well, one part of that, and I think we've talked about this before. I can't remember what movie. Mm. Uh, but one part of that is that they're not doing the classic Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings thing of of everyone just has a British accent for some reason. Yeah. So many of them. Are just speaking with American accents, which I mm-hmm. like Val Kilmer, for instance, and Eric, his his <laughs> the guy who is like the warrior who kind of uh, is, is his buddy, but it has it yeah. has his head on straight, right? And is successful and looks yeah. at Mad Mardigan as a failure and all this stuff. But it's still his friend. It's still his friend, but doesn't let him out of that cage. Mm. Um, but uh, they're all just speaking with American accents, mm. uh, which to me, really, I I kind of. Love. I don't know why, but it really like felt. Uh, it felt like oh, this is felt like uh, an American response to a Lord of the Rings or something like that. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It just it set it apart for me in an interesting way. Watching it this time. Yeah. Um. We should also talk about the score. Oh which boy, does intense. is intense. Does it's James Horner, right? Yeah, because <laughs> there was some point where I was like, okay, calm down, James Horner. Does feel like. John Williams was busy <laughs> and maybe just maybe like read the script and was like, Oh yeah, I'm, I, I'm on vacation that week or whatever. <laughs> um, uh, but it does feel like it's doing that John Williams thing of like, there is a really fun, like adventure theme in yeah. and stuff, but it is a little intense and does right. It's, doesn't it's, quite get there. Well, it's, it's a weird thing where, where I feel like it's not wrong, but it's right. just, uh, the, it's a lot right. with all of this as right. well. Um, something that, that makes me feel very old that, uh, I kept thinking about watching this was, so like you said, it was a heavy rotation for you. I definitely saw it. It wasn't, what it's not one of the ones that's in heavy rotation for me, but I know what it is. And it's one of those movies where if you ask a kid who was born in the eighties at some point, remember Willow, they're going to say, yes, they have seen it. 
even if they don't recognize it right away, right. you show them a picture. Oh yeah, that movie. Like, and there's there's a bunch of those, right? Yeah. Where you see it now happening all the time, like nostalgia. Like, remember this show from the '90s? Yeah. Remember this show from the '80s? Whatever. And how that is not going to happen for our children because, yeah. and we talked about this before, I'm sure, but just the the volume of stuff that is available to them yes. at all times is insane. So they're going to grow up and they're going to be like, it's just going to be much harder to find people who saw this weird, obscure thing. Right. Like, like you, I, I doubt every eight-year-old and four-year-old has seen Hilda. Right. You know? Right. So it's just a very interesting thing. I wonder what that's going to be like for them. I think that's so interesting. And I think that that's exactly right. And when you find those people, it's going to be way more intense. But also, they're not... I mean, Sydney, especially... Sorry, our our four-year-old especially. Mm -hmm. Like, they're not watching the same thing over and over and over again. And yeah. I, I'm not, it's not a judgment. I'm not, I don't think how we had it was better or how they have it is better. Right. For, but, but, um, for, for me anyway, it was like, oh, there's three movies. Mm-hmm. There's Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Yeah. There's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and there's Willow. Right. And those are the three VHSs we have. Yeah. You know what I mean? And for these kids, these kids today, these kids today, it's, they have so much stuff, exactly what you're saying. And it's like, not only is it what you're saying, which is, are they going to be able to find the people who saw the thing? Mm-hmm. Um, but also, are they going to remember the thing? Because yeah. they didn't watch it a million times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Ella, our eight-year-old, has watched, uh, I, you know, I think of the things that she has watched a bunch. She has watched the Series of Unfortunate Events show mm-hmm. over and over again. Yeah. But she also just watched, like, both seasons of Gravity Falls. Yeah. And really liked it. But will she remember that in two years? I have no idea. You yeah, know? it's just interesting. Yeah, it's um, a weird. It's a weird thing. It's a very, it's a very interesting cultural dynamic. Yes, for these children, these these kids today, these kids today. Um, <laughs> oh, you know what? Both these movies have that I like. I just love what is both Atlantis and Willow have like the journey montage, mm. which is. Uh, I mean, exactly what it sounds like. I'm not making that up, but just like, especially in Willow, mm-hmm. those shots. And we watched some of the extra features, which are great on the Blu-ray. Yeah. And um, take you through the map paintings of of those journey shots. And it's them on hills and it's them uh, traveling through these landscapes and taking a, a log bridge over a big chasm with yeah. a river and stuff. Like that shit. Yes. Yeah. That shit, yes. That shit, yes. Well, and, and Willow, <laughs> so you know. So comforting to me in my soul, and I don't know why. Um, and Willow, we, you know, we talked about Atlantis, how it was this beautiful blend of new technology and the old ways. And Willow is kind of the same thing. You've yeah. got, I mean, they're they're using practical effects, but with the brownies, it's a lot of, like, I assume green screen and, and you know, the, yeah. whatever. And, and those matte paintings, it was like, they're here's, beautiful. Here's they're gorgeous, and like here's the part that's set, and here's the part that's painted. Right, and it looks incredible. Yeah, and it's optical effects. It's like optically, like it's um, integrated in a way that's. I mean, I don't know for a fact that there was no digital effects in this, but I assume this is. This feels much exactly like what we were talking about. What you just said with Atlantis, like this is the end point 
of a certain kind of movie making. Yeah. Is they put everything they had in 1988, and I think Ron Howard said this in one of the documentaries that we watched. Oh, yeah. Like, we put everything we could think of effects-wise into this. There's the stop-motion two-headed troll dragon at the end, which I remember from my childhood being like, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. (laughs) Um, But they put it all into this bucket, and then 10 years later, like, it would be like, oh, well, that's just CGI. Right. You know what I mean? Well, and it works really well with this with this genre, I think, because it's yeah. it can, I think it could be distracting. If you've got all of these different um, operations of doing things, mm-hmm. it can be really distracting. But because it's fantasy mm-hmm. and because it's literally like, well, I don't know what this two-headed troll that got blasted into the moat <laughs> yeah. and turned into a crazy ball Monster, sack yeah. dragging thing. <laughs> I don't know what that is. So yeah. it could be anything. This is what it looks like, you know? Um, so it, it, it lends itself really well to a fantasy story. Yeah, exactly. Um, you got Val Kilmer in a skirt. At you do. One point, doing a whole chase scene in a skirt, big yeah. set piece. <laughs> yeah. Really fun. Yeah. Uh, you have um, a diverse cast in the, not really at all, but uh, you have one person of color in the cast with Tony Cox, who played Hitch in Date Movie, yeah. which we covered. <laughs> yeah, um, yes. Uh, I forgot. I was like, I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> I was like, Val Kilmer is a person of color, is he not? <laughs> um, the, you know what this movie also has, which I love? What? In a fantasy movie. And this is very, like, Dark Crystal has this. Return of the Jedi has this. Mm-hmm. The fake village song music thing. Yeah. I yeah. love that shit. Like yeah. in this one, it's um, like it's early on when they have, they're having a party in the village. Yeah. And, the like festival. Yeah. And the festival they're, they're thing. Doing magic. It's very Renaissance fair. Yeah. Feeling and, and that sound, that soundtrack is so like burned in my brain and just, I love that. I love that in, with the Ewoks. I love yeah. it in dark crystal. Like it's just such a beat of the fantasy thing of like, not just that the town is having a party order, but that there's like a band and there's a specific type of song that is playing. <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. Yeah. Um, I, we should talk about the fact that like, this is a cast of little people. Yeah. There's you know a I mean? lot of little people. Right. Exactly. And I apologize if that's not the right term. I, I don't know. know. And I, and I, we should have looked it up. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, that was, I'm going to look it up right now. Hang great, on. Great. Look it up. Thank you. We're going to, we're not, yeah. We looked it up much like many things. It looks like it, it, it does somewhat come down to personal preference, but a large majority of little people, according to what is it? Little people of America website. Right. Uh, prefer the term little people. So right. we'll go with that. Great. Love <laughs> it. Thank you for looking it up. Um, I, th- I love that. I don't, I don't know how little people feel about, uh, about movies like this where they are uh, fantasy creatures, essentially, you know what I mean? Like not creatures, but just like a different race of fantasy. Yeah, no, it's the male wins, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't know how they feel about that. I could imagine feeling a way about it. Uh, a, by which I mean a not good way. Yes. (laughs) Um, uh, to me, I, I really just like, see, I think there's so many good performers who of all, uh, you know, abilities and statures and everything like that. So it's cool to see a bunch of those people in the same movie together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, in the same way that it's cool to see any, like any group of people get representation. Yeah. This is a fraught area, you know, with right. I think it can be this, fraught, but I think this the thing, kind of representation. Yeah. And I fraught. think, I think the thing that, um, 
that could be said for it is that it is, you know, uh, they're all cast as this kind of otherworldly race of people. Um, but in this story that they're telling, he is the hero. Yeah. There's a lot of like, there's a lot of talk actually because Val Kilmer's name appears above Warwick Davis's name oh, in, wow. on the marquee, which is very stupid <laughs> <laughs> and I don't understand. And I couldn't find any information about why that decision was made. Right. But Warwick Davis is the star of this film. He is the yeah, hero of this film. And, and it's never, you have a few moments of him not being able to do things. Um, there's a point where they've both been captured and they're chained to horses and, and they're, they, they're being walked, you know, for a very long time. Warwick Davis's character, Willow, let's call him Willow. <laughs> Name of the movie. Titular Willow. It is. Um, Willow falls over. Mad Mardigan picks him up and puts him on his shoulders. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, I, 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 like we said, I'm not a little person. I don't know if that is offensive. That feels like an okay portrayal, but I don't know. Yeah. But there's not too much of that happening yeah. in the film. It's which funny I, that didn't occur to me. I like loved that moment because it just the characters, the camaraderie. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Like they were coming to get like and. But I, but I didn't think of that. Like, the, uh, oh, is that? But that's what yeah. I'm saying is that there there aren't too many of those. It's not a bunch of like, oh, he can't reach this like jokes. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. He carries this baby throughout most of the film. Yeah. A baby that's a daikini. So it's a, a you know, a. A hefty load. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but, but yeah. So it's, I mean, again, I'm not trying to speak for, for little people, but. I know where I'm coming from is that as a person of color, if I if there was a film about, let's say it was uh, native people, that kind of like stereotypical native people like Atlantis, for example. I was going to say, let's if, say it's like, a, let's say like an underwater. Kingdom. Well, no, 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 no. Like, <laughs> like, but like if Kida was the hero of that film. Yeah. I'd be like, hell yeah. You Great. know? Yeah. Um, but I'm also all about baby steps. <laughs> I'm, I'm here. Some people are not here for the baby steps, and I fully understand that and respect that. I'm yeah. here for the baby steps. I think progress is good as long as we recognize that there's still more progress to be made. Yeah. Um, but well, I also want to applaud the progress. And for so. me, it's like I love, I love the Lord of the Rings movies in their way, but I, having grown up on Willow, was always I always felt weird about... Uh, uh, Elijah Wood and and Sean Astin, you know, playing those parts, mm-hmm. and it's like I don't I don't know uh, how a little person or the little people community like would f- feel either way. You know what I mean? I yeah. don't know. To me, it always felt like, well, I know there's like little people actors who are good who right. could do those roles, and here and they I, are, and right? Willow. And here they are in Willow, and I, but you know. I don't know. So anyway, and also the, just think of the amount of, uh, of, uh, heavy lifting they had to do special effects wise and logistically and all that stuff to make Elijah Wood and right. Sean Astin and Mary and Pippin and all the hobbits yeah. that, uh, appear smaller, smaller. than everyone else. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, you really, really just didn't want to cast little right. people. You, you really, really like bent over backwards right. to not cast added millions and millions of dollars to your budget. So yeah. you wouldn't be, get stuck casting little people. Right. And you know, it's, it's very fraught and I would be interested to hear 
and maybe this is out there and we, I just didn't research it. Mm-hmm. I'd be interested to hear how, uh, you know, some, some little, like little people, uh, people of shorter stature feel about this issue. Yes. Is all. It's a very interesting thing. Mm-hmm. I applaud this movie. I don't know if the little people community does as well. <laughs> maybe they hate it. And that's okay, too. Yes. <laughs> I will say, before we wrap up, uh, before I wrap up, mm-hmm. uh, the one, my one criticism of Willow, because oh. it's perfect otherwise, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, is that I want more, I think Gene Marsh, not Gene Smart, Gene Marsh, <laughs> is so good uh-huh. in that scary Bavmorda role. Yeah. Especially like later on when she turns them all into pigs mm-hmm. and in the last scene she's so scary. Um but that's though that's it for her. She doesn't have that much to do. She doesn't show up that often. Yeah. I like want more, more from her, from yeah. that character. Um not from the actress. The actress does a great job with what's there. But like I feel like that character, I just want one more scene in the middle of like her being evil in some kind of way. I yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. That's it for me. Nice. Um, is it available? It's on Disney Plus, baby. Hey! So we got two Disney Pluses. Also, I guess Disney Plus is currently working on a Willow TV yeah, series. Yeah, it was announced in 2020. Yeah. Uh, and Warwick Davis is is rumored, I don't think completely confirmed, but rumored to be reprising his, his role. Right. Val Kilmer, I don't think so, because he had, like, throat cancer or something. Yeah, Val Kilmer, like, can't um, speak anymore. Yeah. Uh, and it is, like, in, uh, I think, not great shape. Yeah. Uh, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, Love Val Kilmer. Big fan. Yeah. All right, here we are. We are, we're, we're at a crossroads, much like uh, Willow was when he met Mad Mardigan. Um, I, uh, I don't know, because, okay, here's how I'm feeling. Willow, obviously, we've got nostalgia points out the wazoo. This is one of those, it's a classic, it should be in our collection. Um, not only is it hugely nostalgic for you, it is mildly nostalgic for me, and it just feels like it should be there. Um, Atlantis, not as much, you know, 2001, we're kind of beyond the point at which things yeah. for us are feeling like a classic. Yeah, but we but saw it in the theater. We did. But it's one of the Disney movies, like, if they, if, if there's some sort of budget cut out over at Disney Plus, and they're <laughs> like, we got to get rid of something, Atlantis is the first to go. Yeah, that's Like, true. we're never going to lose Lion King, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin. Like, those are not going anywhere. Atlantis... Somebody is going to decide, you know what, there's more people in the world who like Treasure Planet for some reason, so we're getting rid of it. We can only fit so many movies on Disney+. Plus. but you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, it feels like in some post-apocalyptic future where it's like, we can only have five Disney movies. Atlantis is not surviving. No, as much as uh, a Disney movie can be a weird cult movie, it feels like Atlantis kind of is that. Yeah, exactly. Um, as much as it can be, obviously. Yeah. It's still a Disney movie at the yeah. end of the day. Um, no, I know what you're saying. Should we do... I, I mean, I know, I feel like of the two, I mean, I feel like I like Atlantis, also our children like Atlantis. Like Atlantis so that's kind of the most important thing. Yeah. Um, but uh, also, fuck them kids. I... 
like Willow and I want to keep my Willow Blu-ray that I bought as a 33-year-old man or whatever. Very cool purchase. Um, so I, I'm i voting Willow. You're, you're, you're ready to vote Willow. Yeah, I'm ready to vote Willow. Wow. But if you disagree, we can do the point system and we can pick a rule. I'm conflicted because I'm not, I don't, I don't feel super strongly about it. But if I was going to make a decision, if you were like, you have to choose, I would choose Atlantis. Well, you do have to choose because it's the premise of the show. <laughs> so I am saying that. But that's why we have the rules. <laughs> we could do a rule. Well, let's do the point system. All right. Hit me All with right. The, the, the point system. Point okay. system, baby. This is the Joe Garden point system. Uh, first rate each movie on a scale from 1 to 20. I give Willow an 18. I give Atlantis a 16. Okay. I'm going to give Atlantis a 15. And I'm going to give Willow a 12. What? Willow? From 1988, directed by Ron Howard? (laughs) Yes. Are we talking about the same Willow? Yes. (laughs) 12? Okay. All right. Well, hey. Uh, Second, out of subtract points based on these criteria. Criterion Collection, plus one point. No. No. Part of a series you own others of, plus two points. No. No. Part of a box set, plus five points. No. Lady Director, plus eight points. No. No. In fact... Atlantis has two dude directors. Two very male directors. Is it available streaming? Minus one point for every platform. So minus one from for from both. both. Of them. Has the director been canceled? Minus four points. No. No. Although Joss Whedon involved in Atlantis, apparently. But not though. <laughs> Does it start James Woods or John Voight? No. Minus six points. Close call with James Garner, but no. Not that James Garner has done anything wrong, but he just has a very John Voight. All right, I'm going to stop talking. Yes. <laughs> Nostalgia points. This is from Anna, one to five. I say five for Willow. Mm-hmm. I say two for Atlantis. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to give Willow... Five. I'm going to give Willow three. <laughs> and I'm going to give Atlantis one. Okay. Um... Gag reel points. Neither had a gag reel. No that would, gag that would be five points for a gag reel, seven points for a good gag reel, but neither had a gag reel. So where are we at? We are at... You gave Atlantis a 17. I gave Atlantis a 15. You gave Willow a 22. I gave Willow 14. Well, we're no closer... No. ...to anything. No, we're truly not. Let's do a rule, then. Hey, Siri. Uh-huh? Pick a number between one and eight. A random number between 1 and 8 is 4. 4 is the Laura rule, which is if you want to keep both, you have to get rid of a DVD you have that's still wrapped. Mm. Which, so you have to tune in next week to find out what we got rid of, (laughs) because I don't have one on deck. Yeah, we don't know which one. Right. We're still wrapped. So a little anticlimactic, but next week, double climactic. Is that correct? That's a thing, yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh Uh-huh. Totally. Great. Perfect. All right. All right. Should we pick this next matchup? Let's do it. Hey, Siri. Uh Uh-huh? Pick a number between 1 and 1,321. A random number between 1 and 1,321 is 805. 805. 
from 1999. It's The Matrix. Oh, heard of it? Uh, I don't know. The Matrix. Wow. Oh, that'll be fun because I haven't watched it in a really long time. Yeah, me neither. It'll be interesting to see like what the special effects look like and stuff. You know what? I said me neither. I think I, I watched like, it like last year. Yeah. yeah. I, I just watched it. Um, Great. Let's do it. All right. Let's see what's going up against it. Hey, Siri. Mm-hmm. Pick a number between 1 and 1,321. A random number between 1 and 1,321 is 34. 34 is from 1984, A Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, The Ridge. The Ridge. I've definitely seen uh, Nightmare on Elm Elm Street. Yeah, I watched... Who is that? Freddy Krueger. I was like, I've definitely seen it. I don't know what it is. Well, it's like, is it Jason? Is it Michael Myers? Is it Freddy? Which one is it? Um, I watched watched all of those last year. Yeah. And uh, uh, the whole series. And so I've watched it recently, but I would definitely watch it again. Yeah. And I will watch it again for (laughs) DVD Deathmatch, the (laughs) podcast you're currently listening to. Great. The Matrix... And a nightmare on Elm Street. Sure. Sure. Uh, both <laughs> movies about uh, uh, living in a dream world. Oh yes. And and the consequences thereof. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, but from two very different eras. They really are. Yeah. 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 Well, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I hope you guys are too. Great. And listen, you know what? Thank you so much for listening, especially if you got this far. We're DVD Deathmatch in all of the places. We got the Insta, we got the Twitter, we got the Gmail, we got the World Wide Web. And I hope that you unlock a core memory from your childhood. That's good. That's good. Not one of those traumatizing ones. A good one. And you're like, oh, remember this thing. <sighs> I love that. <laughs> all right. Come back next week and see who survives. DVD Deathmatch. Hey Siri. Uh huh. Pick a number between one and eight. It's a random number between one and eight is one. One. <laughs> Wait, we gotta do it again because my watch and my phone answered. Okay. <laughs> one is a good one, though.